grateful for Pastor Denny's frame about episodes and scenes like a Netflix as we are going into the drama again of Habakkuk. We've arrived at episode three, scene one, between Habakkuk and the Lord Almighty. And as I begin, I would point you to the front of the bulletin for one of our quotes today, which comes from Dr. Tony Evans. Mark and I had the privilege of being with friends last week at uh, that church in Texas and uh, hear Dr. Evans powerfully preach. And listen to what he says. Prayer is the means by which God has established for God's people to invite the spiritual into the physical and the invisible realm into the visible realm. Now that's on the front of your bulletin if you want to look at that. We start with this today because Habakkuk has been having a conflict with God. He has been talking and talking and finally God answers. And the back and forth that they have had has been very instructive for us as God's people because of current world events. Habakkuk has gone from complaining to reacting to prayer. Our passage today is a prayer to God. And as a prophet has gone from a place of doubt to more of a place of trust, I want us to understand something important that matters in our own lives, and it's this. In order for us to get to a new place with God, we have to truly engage with him. Now, this might seem obvious, but that's kind of my job, isn't it? is to kind of keep saying the obvious as we come here week after week to myself and to you. You see, sometimes we come to God with the same coping mechanisms that we use in life that don't always work. In other words, we don't always fully engage the spiritual realm because as Jesus pointed out, it is the more narrow way, which means it's harder. So it's kind of like when we're mad at somebody or we're hurt by them and we don't really want to talk directly about the issue or to them. And so we avoid them or we talk to other people about it or we vent on Instagram. Yeah, I see you. Or we distance ourselves from them or we create drama around it. Maybe we're lazy or we're distracted or we're broken or we're tired the healthiest way, of course, and the most challenging way, and the most Matthew 18 way, is to talk directly to the person, to express our feelings, to own what we ourselves did in that interaction. And this is where Dr. Evans' words come to us. Because in our life with God, prayer is the main way that we have been given to connect with him. And as believers, we live in the earthly and in the heavenly realms. And it's counterproductive for us to not deal directly with God. And what I mean by counterproductive is that it gets us nowhere. But think about how we do that all the time. We talk about God. We analyze or intellectualize the Bible. We process our spiritual lives with others. We complain about the distance that we feel. We stay bitter at the church. We blame him for the state of the world. We avoid too much depth with him. Even when our, par our souls are parched and we are needing the living water that only Jesus can give. If we want to truly be connected to God, to really hear him and know him, we have to step out of the visible realm and spend more time in the invisible realm. Can I get an amen? amen. 
We should be putting this on our mirrors, in our car, wherever we see the most. If we want to really hear from God, like we say we do, and know God fully, we have to step out of the visible realm and into the invisible realm. This passage for me today is about engagement. We can't expect that our life with God is going to be fulfilling unless we put more into it. We can't expect something from nothing. It's easy to smile on Sundays, but going through the motions doesn't impress God. And it only leaves us empty and frustrated. And Habakkuk shows us, he shows us what it means to truly engage with the Lord and how persistence leads to change for us. So this is the word of the Lord from Habakkuk 3. It's a little bit long and actually, truthfully, I would encourage you to look at it in your Bibles because we're going to be talking about it a little bit, but you do you. And um, Habakkuk 3, 1 through 15. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard of your renown and I stand in awe. O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the sun. Rays came forth from his hand, where his power lay hidden. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed close behind he stopped and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The eternal mountains were shattered along his ancient pathways. The everlasting hills sank low. I saw the tents of Kushan under affliction and the tent curtains of the land of Midian trembled. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? or your anger against the rivers, or your rage against the sea, when you drove your horses, your chariots to victory. You brandished your naked bow, sated were the arrows at your command. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. A torrent of water swept by. The deep gave forth its voice. The sun raised high its hands. The moon stood still in its exalted place at the light of your arrows speeding by, at the gleam of your flashing spear. In fury you trod the earth. In anger you trampled the nations. You came forth to save your people, to save your anointed. You crushed the head of the wicked house, laying it bare from foundation to roof. You pierced with their own arrows the head of its warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter us, gloating as if ready to devour the poor who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the mighty waters. Let us pray. Oh Lord, would you meet us today in these words of your prophet as we fully seek you, God. Amen. As we started this book, we learned that this was an oracle. Oracle means burden. And we talked about how Habakkuk brought the burdens he was feeling, the burdens from the people to the Lord. But today's conversation is a different kind of episode than the first two. Habakkuk doesn't put God in the hot seat, hoping only for the answer that he wants to hear. Instead, 
Habakkuk has found peace and comes with reverence as he remembers Yahweh's acts. When have you found yourself in this place? Because the truth of the matter is nothing has changed in Habakkuk's life. Judah is still going to be conquered by the most fearsome and hated nation of the day. But there was something about truly interacting with the Lord that helped Habakkuk to press forward with his faith, not simply for what happens in this realm, but in the Lord who is sovereign in both. Last week, Pastor Helen preached beautifully on God's second response to Habakkuk. And we wonder if there was something in that response that God gave to Habakkuk that prompted this different kind of response from the prophet. Was there something in what God said that changed his heart? And as I was listening to Helen, I was thinking about a few truths that came from that passage. That God is trustworthy even when the reality of great evil in the world continues. That God's timing is perfect, which means that we as believers have to be prepared for the long game. The earth is filled with God's glory and he is the center, not us. Helen spoke a few times about how our arrogance should quickly fade in the presence of the almighty and holy God. That the Lord is everlasting and that the entire earth is silent before him in worship and in awe as we should be. So we're going to briefly go through this prayer in which we see the three R's. Not reading, writing, and arithmetic. But reverence, request, and remembrance. Say that with me. Reverence, request, remembrance. I had the kids do that this week in chapel and it was awesome. We're going to start doing that more. Okay. The first R is stay awake, people. The first R is reverence. Now, this prayer response from Habakkuk starts with awe. Oh, God, he says, you are the celebrated one. I have heard of your renown. You are worthy of praise and honor. All of our prayers should begin with an acknowledgement of God's greatness. We should always remember that we are speaking to the Lord who made the universe, whose intricate understanding of how everything is constructed is so far above us. Habakkuk says he is in awe of the God and the work he has done. And we are reminded in just this verse 2 that prayer is an act of worship. Our whole lives are a conversation to God. What does your life say about how you are worshiping the Lord? How we live is a reflection of a reaction against, a response to who we believe Jesus is and what we do with the love we have been offered. Prayer is worship to the Lord. The second R is what? Request. request. Very good. Request. Now Habakkuk says he, have heard, he has heard of God's amazing work and he asks for God to revive that work again. And notice that the request is not for the prophet's own work to be blessed. Oh, Lord, would you please bless the work of my hands? <laughs> That's not what he's saying. 
The prayer is that God's work would be renewed on earth. This is such a great prayer. We say, Jesus, in your own time, in the history where we find ourselves, Lord, reveal who you are. Help us to see what you're doing, where you are working. We need renewal. We need revival of what you alone can do. And as we think about that prayer We say, Lord, help us to have hope, real hope in that prayer. In order to have hope, we have to focus on what God alone can do and trust him for the future. Trust him for the acts of deliverance. We sang this morning that God would come and deliver us. God comes and delivers his people. He brings healing and grace and miracles and power that only comes from Jesus. There's a line here in... um, I think verse two for us to pause on for a second. Maybe it's three. In wrath, may you remember mercy. That is a very important prayer. As Wesleyans, we focus a lot on love because we believe that that is God's posture to us. But God gets angry. That's what we saw in the five woes last week, wasn't it? That's God being angry. And we ask ourselves, what riles God up? Well, maybe it's the same thing that you get angry about. When people think, when we think that we are above anyone else. When we build monetary gain to the detriment of others. When we are shamed and shame others and our drunken stupors. When we worship those things that do not give life. God gets angry about these things because they are a violation of what he cares most about, which is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor. That's why time with God every day is so important. Lord, teach me how to love. Oh, Lord, what motivated me to act in that way? Oh, Was how I talked? Did that hold the dignity of other people? Does my laughing at what is sinful and abhorrent in your sight express love for you? You see, the less time we spend with Jesus, real time, engaging time, the easier it is for us to live by our own rules and then just love whoever we want. Just giving God a portion, not all. So when we come to prayer and the Holy Spirit shows us our shortcomings, but also his mercy, let us us give God praise for his truth and mercy mingled together. We say in communion, Lord, we, we deserve only your indignation and anger. Indignation and anger. But God offers us unmerited grace. Habakkuk is asking for God to be the center again in the lives of the people. We ourselves need help with that. The bulk of the chapter, of course, is on the third R, which is what? Remembrance. Remembrance. (laughs) Gold star. Remembrance. And here we see a mosaic of God's powerful intervention on behalf of the people from the past. So verses 13 through 15 describe a theophany, which is a big word that means an appearance of God. No one has ever seen God, but we see the effects of his presence. And Habakkuk is talking about that, where God has moved, where there was assurance and guidance and deliverance and conviction. Habakkuk is describing a visible manifestation of Yahweh's presence in the history of Israel. And we see how Habakkuk's mind goes from the simple request 
of revival to the larger context of when revival happened for God's people. And Habakkuk knows if it was possible in the past for the Lord to bring intervention, that can happen again. And we think in our own lives how remembering gives hope. And here we see a lot of images of the Exodus deliverance as well as other victories that they had. We also see shades of time when the Messiah is going to come again in glory. A picture of what God has done to give assurance of what God can do. God has saved in the past. God is saving now. And the coming Messiah will bring culmination of God's work to a close on earth. The emphasis here is on God saves. We don't have a God who leads from far away, but comes himself to lead us to a new place. So here we see Habakkuk's prayer for God to be merciful in his anger and then to see, oh yeah, this is where God was merciful here and here and here. So then gone is the anxiety. Gone is the grumbling. Here's the affirmation. Habakkuk comes to a new place of trust and then leads the people to the same conclusion. By recalling past interventions, the prophet is also pleading for God to deliver them. Deliver us again, Lord. And it's as though Habakkuk has a starting point and then shows how God goes to the place where he is going to help save his people. So just a few thoughts from these verses. Taman and Paran in verse 3 are in the wilderness. How many of you are in the wilderness? Lent is a time of wilderness. It's the wilderness where God first revealed himself to his people as they came out of Egypt. God comes to the places where we are experiencing scarcity, where we are so in the desert, and he brings hope and revelation. His character comes in order to bring a new day And Habakkuk says lots of things about his glorious light, rays coming forth from his hands, the whole earth being full of praise. Verse 5 states that before him went pestilence and a plague followed close behind. Now we know this is interpretation of judgment because both of these things are consequences for disobedience and rebellion. We saw that with Pharaoh When I was talking to Pastor Doug about this this week, he said that this is also a good reminder of how God meets us in the middle of our pestilence and our plagues. I thought that was a very good picture. No matter why we have them, God is with us. Verse 6 indicates that God, a pause in God's march. God stops. He shakes the earth. He looks around. The nations tremble. All of creation is affected by God. And I would also say all of creation is affected by our sin, our rebellion. God has to come and creation suffers because of our disobedience. The mountains are shattered. That means they are bowed down. No matter how old the hills and the pathways are, they respond to God's presence because he is their maker. Cush and Midian in verse 7 were enemies of Israel when Israel relied... Uh, arrived at the promised land. They are examples of those who stood against God and lost. In verse 8, we see fierce language to describe the vengeance of the Lord, wrath and anger and rage. Listen to this quote. Earth and sea, sun and moon all submit. 
stunned into silence and stillness by the Lord's power as he uses all the weapons in his arsenal, chariot and horses, bows and arrows, spear and sword in order to save his people. When God comes, nothing is the same. In 13 and 14, Habakkuk answers some of the questions he had himself at the beginning. Since God had saved those who trusted in him, God can and will deliver again. This book has reminded me of the times that I have adamantly struggled with God. And I waited. And I ranted. And I hid. And I wished for an answer that would make it all better so I could get on with my life. <laughs> and God says, I am your life. Be still, because I am working. And each time in those wrestlings and strugglings and sorrows, God has met me. In the time of his choosing, not in mine, and the way that he decided. And when that happened, there has always, always been revival in my soul for the God who hears, for the God who loves, for the God who delivers, and the God whose wisdom I would be lost without. The God who brings transformation through the cross and to the new life that we walk into. So as we close, I want to ask you three questions. Where do you long to see God's life renewed and revived? What is dead or broken to you? What is in danger of being lost? Where do you want to see God's work renewed in powerful ways? Two. How are you engaging with God right now in the invisible realm? In the Bible, the words we would use to describe this would be seeking, abiding, waiting, trusting. Are you expecting something for nothing from God? Three, what do you hold on to when you yourself find yourself in doubt? One experience Habakkuk held on to was the journey of the Israelites through the wilderness, a dramatic situation that brought the people forward in their time. But where in your life have you seen God intervene in miraculous, unbelievable ways? Where would God have you focus on what he has accomplished in the past so that you can trust him as you head into the future? So I invite you to a time of prayer. The altar is open. The worship team is going to come. Jesus is here and wants to engage with us. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.